to your 16-year-old self. This is Zolan Aelkan, and I'm Kira. And I'm Adam, and we're we're going back to school. Uh, yeah. This is our freshman year. Well, actually, on the pod, what? So if we let's okay, let's let's go off pod lore. If we yes. started the pod, if our freshman year was 2019, uh, where we would, would we be? Juniors. Yes, we would. Uh, uh, so we're in the midst of our junior year right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Kira has informed me that New York people, like people, kids, do not go back to school to like September up yeah. there. Uh, yeah. which is like okay. like usually like either right before labor day or like right after labor day which is like fucking insane to me as like mm-hmm. a floridian who went like i would always go back to school like the first or second week of august mm-hmm. uh, but then again i remember like always being out of school i remember back when we were like teenagers and we talked like mm-hmm. i was like always on summer break before you were yeah um because i got out of like school in like mid-may yeah for for summer so um but yeah the well kira wanted me to do or pick out a like back to school movie mm-hmm. um and we had a lot of choices but we kind of landed on this one well well we had a good one <laughs> we had a great one we had a fucking sublime one but <laughs> we then... uh we didn't have time because um, if you didn't see our social media, um, I went to Orlando. <laughs> mm-hmm. I um, yeah, we had a family she... dinner. Uh, yeah, it's so funny. I yeah. my favorite thing about seeing you once a year, um, and by seeing you once a year, I mean uh, the last two times I've seen you. Yeah, have been that I will go meet you, we will hug, and then we will sit. 10 seats down from each other it always ends up that way doesn't it (laughs) like it always ends up you guys or like you or like anybody well last year it was this year it was me and my girlfriend and last year it was me and my other girlfriend joe um and um (laughs) but you always like it's always like 15 people trying to get around a table and trying to like fit into one table and then we always end up at opposite ends of the table so that's why my be real that day that i posted on our accounts (laughs) literally looks like that scene from always sunny when they're like in the restaurant (laughs) so yeah kira took that be real with me uh, when I was midway through eating wings at Jock Wendy's. <laughs> um, and they were really good wings, by the way. Um, yeah. Really good wings. Uh, Actually, I have met you like three years in a row because you came to um, Disney Springs in January 2020, which is funny because um, Sean has said it multiple times that he's like, I've only ever seen Adam in Disney Springs. <laughs> And it's I was funny. Like, Wait, me too. Well, it's funny because you guys are always on vacation when I meet you guys, and yeah. I it's never. Like, yeah. Every time you come down, I simply do not want to pay for a theme park ticket. Yeah. Exactly. So, Disney Springs is the good neutral free spot to meet at. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you came in, like, God, was it like what 2016 or something, with Sean, and you were like, "I can meet you, but it has to be like 3 a.m. in our hotel lobby." And I'm like, huh? Like, I can <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's... Well, it's different when you're, like, 
I was like traveling with my family. It's different when you're like an adult and can like make your own decisions about like your yeah. like plans. <laughs> You know? Yeah. No, I feel you. It's no, like it's yeah. fine. It's all no. Fine. It it is it is funny though because it's like the duality of vacation and like I guess it's like the same when people are like I'm visiting New York and I'm like cool if I want to go into the city it's like thirty dollars round trip and like two hours two hour train ride to just go in and walk around and. You can't go outside in New York City without, like, spending 20 bucks on, like, fucking coffee or something. I sound yeah, like such a boomer, but, like, you know what I mean? It's, like, the same. Like, if people are, like, I'm visiting New York, it's, like, epic. Now I have to go into the city. Right. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, I think, I, I think Disney Springs is a great neutral spot for us. It I would is, love yeah. for you to come on my turf one day. Uh, and by my turf, I mean, like... Ale House, yeah. Um, come to the Winter Park area, baby, uh, because we will show you a good time, uh, a non-tourist sweaty area. Uh, we'll we'll get Sean. We'll take Sean we'll to, go a to Publix. Bar. We'll go to Publix. We'll 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 raid the uh, seltzer section of Publix and take it out on the town. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I. <laughs> I notoriously on the pod I have stated that I am interested in like the the dynamics and nostalgia of like theme parks but Mm -hmm. I am also kind of like a little bit of a jaded boomer when it comes to like current theme parkisms Mm -hmm. so I I have that exhausting it's so exhausting yeah the last time I went to Disney I fucking hated it yeah. Um. I I just did not have a good time. You <laughs> so, went to Hollywood Studios, right? Yeah. That was when you had like a broken ankle, though. Yeah, and and granted, it was on me because my friends wanted to like rent me a scooter, and I had like too much like. And I'm not saying this is justified. Like it's one of those things where I see absolutely nothing wrong with other people with a broken anything needing a scooter for a day. It's just, you you know, uh, yeah, like, yeah, because, you know, that happens to us all sometimes. Like, it's okay when other people do it, but when I do it, it's not okay. And I feel that. Yeah. um, And when I got like halfway, I think I like got to like literally the gates of Batu and I was like, I can't fucking do this. Like, I do not walk anymore. But then like, there's only one uh, scooter rental. It's at the front of the park. Yeah. So it was like either go forward or walk back to the front of the park. And I like just like <laughs> I had like a joker moment. I was like, yeah. I can't fucking do this. I hate it. Um, which is on me. Um Yeah, I don't know. I guess my review of theme parks are uh sweaty, tiring, expensive, mm-hmm. uh sweaty again, and sometimes okay. They're sometimes fun. Um, when you're not sweating, which is always. Well, but. I think they're great. <laughs> well, have you ever tried being a wallflower at a theme park? Because that's what I like to do. All right, we're gonna pivot right into the um, right into the movie. No more theme park talk. I'm kind. I'm I'm cutting uh, it dry tonight. I, but, I am not. <laughs> yeah, that was the explanation. Long story short, as to why we skipped doing a different back to school episode. 
um, was that I was panicking and packing and I was like, I absolutely cannot record an episode the night before I go on vacation. Sorry. Um, so yeah, we took a little break, ate some wings, ate some nachos and we're back, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're back. Um, I, so, okay. There's been a few movies that we've covered this year or that we will cover later this year mm-hmm. that um like a Cinderella story a few weeks ago um where I've had it in my notes app that we're going to cover it this year like literally since January I knew mm-hmm. we were going to cover it in fact I think I had um a Cinderella story planned from last October when you didn't want to do it for that Halloween episode Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm putting it in the 2022 priority list right now. Um, but <laughs> another movie, <laughs> of course, of course. But another movie that I knew we had to cover this year um, for anniversary sake is uh, Perks Being a Wallflower, which mm-hmm. is 10 years old this year. Fucking um, insane. Yes. Um, so let me check real quick. But yeah, so we're recording some Monday, September 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe what you upload on Fridays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be up on the 23rd, but the anniversary is on the 21st. Wow. Uh, which I remember that was like a limited release when it came out because I have very distinct memories of it coming out on my birthday, like in yeah. wide release in October. on October. Yeah. yeah. So I have pretty good memories, like with seeing this when I kind of what I turned 15 back then. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were pretty, um, young when this movie came out and, uh, it's, it's another one of those cuspy, uh, kind of movies for us where I feel like in many ways it's perfect for the Gen Z crowd. Um, it's a movie that was formative in one way or another for a lot of us, mm-hmm. but it also, I, we were talking about another movie like this recently. I just can't remember what it was, but where I said it, it has like that lasting impact where, I feel like future generations will like always like not necessarily reclaim it. Cause there's nothing to like claim. Like, I think it's a pretty well liked movie by all accounts. I guess it's I just, just like timeless kind of. Yeah. Like discovery, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like yeah. it's like, they're very different movies, but like similar to like the breakfast club in that way. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, where it's, like, a high school movie that's, like, kind of timeless, even though, like, some of it, like, doesn't hold up, but it's, like, dumb stuff, like a makeover scene or whatever. Um, Yeah. Like, where it's not a comedy, like, I feel like a lot of things that you consider, like, timeless high school movies are comedies, Um, but it's something that is timeless in the way that, like, people from any generation will be able to connect to it emotionally mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i think it also helps that this movie's like set in the 90s so it doesn't really like date itself yeah by, like, well being, I, like references i i knew that the book came out um pretty decently before the movie did but mm-hmm. i forgot that the book was written in 99 or at least it was released in 99 i don't know when it was written Mm-hmm. But um, also something really interesting that I think it's a pretty well-known fact, but for anyone that doesn't know, the film was directed by the author of the book, uh, Stephen Shabosky. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, have you, I'm guessing you've read the book, right? Yeah, of course. That yeah. iconic, like, neon green cover. <laughs> yes, which they were very wise to replicate in the 
theatrical poster for the movie. Yes. Because uh, it's like very distinct and um, I don't know, like neon green or like not even like neon. It's like just a like a lime kind of like mm-hmm. green. Like it's just like a very distinct green like shade. So like when you see the poster or the cover for the book for the first time, you're just like, oh, OK. Um, I remember reading the book for this movie and I either seventh or eighth grade. I, I know it was in middle school mm-hmm. because I remember the movie came out my freshman year of high school. Um, so, yeah, I remember like I had read the book before seeing it and I was really I don't know if I knew that a movie was coming out or if it was just a book that I found. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing I knew a movie was coming out just because that was like, that's something I would have known at the time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I remember like being pretty like devastated by the book when I read it um, as most people are at, um, at that age when they read it. Um, that was, you know, when I was going down like the, I hadn't quite got to like AP English in high school yet. Like I hadn't read like literary classics, mm-hmm. but you know, I had read like a lot of like, I was going to like that angsty phase where I was like reading like John Green books and like, you know, I was like reading, I hadn't like read Tumblr phase. Yes, very much. Like a lot of Tumblr literature. Like um, <laughs> I had not read like Catcher in the Rye, but I had, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like a lot of John Green, a lot of, uh, just shit you would find in like a eighth grade English classroom bookshelf, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I was at. Uh, and at the time of reading this book at the like age of like 13 or 14, um, I thought it was like the best book ever. I, I was just kind of amazed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't read the book in quite some time. I assume it'll hold up, but uh, the movie, however, um. Yeah, it. I. I gotta say, it holds up. Yeah. So uh, it holds up pretty well. I was um, considering rereading it actually recently. Um, like before we were like, oh, we're gonna cover it, just because I was like, I really wonder if it holds up. But I'm always like happy to like watch this movie and like revisit it. But the thing is, is that it just emotionally devastates me to the point of me being exhausted. (laughs) Like, I love it so much, but it just, like, it takes something out of me. And I'm like, I feel like the book would only do that more. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I, like you, like, I don't remember, like, if I... I definitely read the book before the movie because I remember, like, being really excited for the movie... Um, and I think, like, as my trying to be emo, like, 16, 15, 16 year old self, um, I, I was like, oh, like, I know some songs on the soundtrack. Um, so I was, like, going into it with that kind of Tumblr mindset. And I'm sure yeah. we'll come back to Tumblr later, but oh, the impact that this movie and book had on Tumblr and, like, the quotes that were all over Tumblr and, like, tattooed on people and, like, it is insane. It is probably, like, one of the most impactful zillennial pieces of media <laughs> that we have. 
Oh, absolutely. In regards um, to, like, teenagehood. Like, I would say even more so. Like, maybe it's just, like, my identity and, like, the people that I, like, surrounded myself with and, like, the vibe of the people that I surround myself with. But I would say it's probably, like, more influential than, like, John Green. Um, In terms of, like, quotes and vibe and style and music and... I think there's, like, no question that it's better <laughs> than anything he's oh, written. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And that's not even, like, a huge dig at the guy. Like, for what John Green does, like, I enjoy his work. I can't wait book. to finally fucking cover, like, a John Green thing. <laughs> like, um, The Fault in Our Stars or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think eventually we're going to have to because... I wish we could do, like, book club on the Zaloon Cannon. I know. I don't have two brain cells to rub together for that. Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I I don't know if I can commit you to... You won't uh, confirm reading. or deny that I don't have two brain cells. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I mean, I like John Green enough. Like, I think he's cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait... Really quick, um, do you remember, like, the reason why they stopped letting you edit posts on Tumblr? Because of, um, I know it was a John Green post, but I'm trying to, didn't they just, like, it was such, some, some stupid shit about, like, him, like, sucking dick or something? Like, <laughs> Somebody, like, it was, like, a copy pasta for a little bit, but it was, like, a post that John Green made. And it had, like, a lot of notes. It was just, like, him, like, saying whatever. And somebody edited it to be, like, I love dick and balls. Like, it was just, like, a long, like, really detailed, like, disgusting, like, paragraph. And people were, like, why the fuck would he say this? And then John Green, like, reblogged it and, like, commented on it and was, like, Guys, I did not say this. Like, somebody edited me. So, like, that's the reason why they stopped letting people edit reblogs. That's so fucking funny. Um, that, that's really fucking funny. I, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I, I, I knew it had something to do with a dick. I knew it had something to do with it. Yeah. That. It was, um, like, extremely, like, explicit for, like, no reason. And it was just I, very funny. Like, I, I get it. It's probably really, like bad and like frustrating to like have that with your name attached to it but like him (laughs) just being like I never said this (laughs) and then Um, he like got Tumblr to change the whole like interface of the website yeah I um my (laughs) to go to your point though about like well I think that's a reason why Fault in Our Stars and all that shit was like so prominent on like mm-hmm. Tumblr was because John Green himself, like yeah. I was talking about it semi recently with a friend about like how um I forgot what his fucking channel is called on YouTube, but like uh Vlog with him and his brothers. brother, yeah, like um I, dude, they got me through high school like as far as like Crash Course shit goes, like yeah, and they're actually like, very well done like history like lessons, like they're very really good, like mm-hmm. um so I think like his presence and like tumblr and like youtube like that circle mm. is like undeniable so i feel like innately regardless of how like good fault in our stars or like paper towns or looking for alaska like actually were mm-hmm. 
it was just like almost like it was like a Trojan horse. Like he was, they were, they were always going to get us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because uh, it was just, it was unavoidable. And again, I'm not saying that as like a hater. I like those books. I actually think Looking for Alaska is a really good book. It's mm-hmm. like a really, really, it's devastating, but it's really good. Um, weirdly enough, that's one of his earliest books, and I think it's his most mature. Yeah, probably. Uh, they get less mature as he gets older, which I find interesting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, uh, what's that bitch wall- up to? For, uh, John Green? Yeah. Okay, so I, I'll say this before we move off of John Green. Um, I am tr- not even actively. I stole my girlfriend's copy of uh, Turtles All the Way Down, mm-hmm. uh, one of his newer books. I say new very loosely because I'm mm-hmm. late to books by five years out always. Um, I, I'm like three chapters in and I like, it's not like terrible. I'm just like, I'm 24. I, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I just can't do it anymore. Um I'm sure if I like reread Vault on Our Stars, I would have a good time. But I don't know. I I he's just a little I, I have fond memories with his work, but as far as like consuming it as an adult, eh, you yeah. know, and it and I've said it on the pod before. It's a goddamn miracle that all of his adaptations have turned out to be kind of decent. Because John Green dialogue is so ripe to be awful. It is so ready to be completely like butchered cinematically. Yeah. How they are three for three with their adaptations. He made a fucking deal with the devil. Like he really like the fact that they did the Anne Frank house scene in the movie <laughs> the stars and it's still like well received. Like yeah. it's truly impeccable what that man did. I don't know what, what dirt he has on somebody, but he made it work. Um, yeah, but I feel like it's interesting. You brought it up though. Perks of being a wallflower and fault in our stars are like kind of on the same coin of like Tumblrisms. Yeah. Where like, do you remember like how the teaser for the fault in our stars came out like a year before the movie? And there was like, when you went on Tumblr, like even like, 10 months before the movie came out, nine months before it came out, you would see like fucking Augustus Waters, like gifts all over Tumblr or like mm-hmm. Shane, or even just like set pics of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, remember you, the set pictures, yeah. I remember seeing the Amsterdam set pictures like all the yeah. time on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, or even like edits of those and like into fake posters. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it perks of being a wallflower while not necessarily like in the set pictures kind of way, it was always on Tumblr even before the movie came out. Like, I know that gif of like him saying, you know, we are infinite and him on in the back of the truck. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh my God, that on Tumblr. I saw that every day. I would probably still reblog that on Tumblr, honestly. (laughs) The the (laughs) screenshot of it. Yes. The, like the, 280p gif no yeah yeah which is what i'm talking about um yeah but like even before the movie i feel like it was like people would post just like pictures of the book or pictures of like page in the book or like they underlined like a quote in the book Mm -hmm. or something that was very tumblr um i remember that the yeah uh, we accept the love we think we deserve being underlined on paper yeah Uh Yeah. um 
It's interesting to me also, like, we were just talking about, like, looking for Alaska and how, like, devastating it is, um, which we don't have to get too deep into it. And I don't remember if we've ever talked about it before, but, like, the fixation on, like, the most depressing books you could ever imagine in the YA um, genre, like, I feel like a lot of YA books, or at least, like, and I I don't think it was, like, just me, because, like, I was talking to, like, some, like, Gen Z coworkers of mine, and one of them is, like, I love this book about a girl who is addicted to drugs and goes to the hospital, and I'm like, oh, teens are still reading books about, like, other teens, like, dying and stuff, and, like, enjoying yeah. that. Like, um... 13 Reasons Why was, like, one, like, memes aside, that fucking series, um, that was, like, I loved that book so much, um, it's so crazy, that book is, like, not bad, and what the show turned into is, like, that, that's a one book, that's a one and done book, and the series is, like, what, four or five seasons, I remember, Um, like, back when it came out, I remember reading that, like, there was film rights to it, like, right. before Netflix even had, like, original series. And I was, like, so yeah. excited. Shout out um, to, like, those fake trailers on YouTube for them. Yeah, if right. you remember. Like, clips from, like, other movies of, like... Yeah. Uh, I remember they were, like, casting, like, Josh Hutcherson as Clay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I can't remember who... That's how long ago it was. They were fan casting Josh Hutcherson to play. Oh, yeah. I remember that shit. I, <laughs> I remember that shit. That was back when they were also fan casting him as Percy Jackson. Yeah. Um, which, um, honestly... Speaking of Mr... Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, not even, yeah. Not even a tin for that. Um, yeah. Things I, like uh, <laughs> things like if I stay, um, before I fall, or whatever. Like things like that. Yeah. I feel like perks of being a wallflower is like, if, like, and I'm I'm not like there's more nuance to this, but like if the other books are like tragedy porn basically mm-hmm. perks of being a wallflower is like an extremely nuanced take on it i think yeah. um from what i remember about the book but the movie absolutely is very yeah. very 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 well done i think well i think what i like i, I don't i can't compare it to like everything that we've talked about because i haven't read a lot of these books in like years mm-hmm. uh, but to just go off john green for example's sake like yeah, i think let's the difference... drag that bitch no just let's kidding just... <laughs> well i think the difference um is that perks is very much about dealing with things that have happened to you in the past Yes. And it doesn't feel exploitive at all in that sense. And I'm not trying to call anything that John Green has written exploitive. That's not what I'm trying to say. You're not, but, like, actively watching somebody die in front of your eyes. Exactly. Like, looking for You're Alaska. You're watching it, the ramifications of it. Like, Looking for Alaska is a really good book. I think it's a very genuinely, unlike anything he's ever done before or after, nuanced view of how young people perceive grief and how the loss of young life affects people that are young and old, like people all around them. It's a really good book. It's the most mature thing he's ever written. That being said, 
the second half of that book, like, spoiler alert if you haven't read Looking for Alaska, but after Alaska dies, it's the most depressing shit you've ever read. Yeah. It is just, like, misery after that chapter. And it's good. It works. It's powerful. The thing about Perks being a wallflower is that it it really, like, is it's very thoughtful in the way that it doesn't always tell you exactly what Charlie went through. Yeah. It just tells you what you need to know so you can make assumptions or you can um, kind of piece it together. And yeah. that's, like, really beautiful. Like, they never, like, diagnose him, which I mm-hmm. love. And also, I'm not saying John Green books aren't, like, hopeful, but Perks Being a Wallflower also gets away with, like, its sad parts because it's extremely hopeful by the end. Um, it's it's really, really beautiful. Uh, and I don't know. I think this book, compared to everything else we just talked about, has a better balance of, like, the tragedy, the drama, the romance, and the, the positives and all that stuff, you know, than mm-hmm. anything else we talked about. So I, I think this is why it was kind of ripe for a film and why it's kind of... I don't know, a notch above the rest, so to speak. Yeah, I think the only thing that I could really put it on the same level as in terms of, like, generation, um, like, timeless generation-defining films, like, teen films, is, like, The Edge of Seventeen. Yeah, which is great. Um, I think, I mean, like, that's not as, it's still, like, a really it can be really devastating at some parts, but it's not as much of a punch to the stomach as as Perks being Wallflower is. But I think that in terms of, like, balance and, like, timelessness, I think Edge of Seventeen is kind of um, at a similar level of quality in terms mm-hmm. of, like, movies that I would show to my teenagers. <laughs> like... Yeah, no, absolutely. And, like, well, like, I remember seeing this in theaters when I was, like, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I went with my mom to go see mm-hmm. it, and she, I don't know how much she knew about it before going in, but mm-hmm. I don't think she was, like, ready for, like, I don't know. I cause Having I remember, a difficult conversation afterwards. Well, I think she, like, had to, like, ask, because I remember, like, when we got to, like, the car after we were leaving the theater, mm-hmm. she was, like are you like good like are you like (laughs) she like she had to like ask she was i can't remember exactly what she said but she was like that was pretty heavy like you know are you like okay yeah you know in general and i'm like yeah you know (laughs) um but uh but yeah i think this is one of those like i at 17 is definitely up there perks uh i know spectacular now is one that Mm -hmm. i really liked when i was younger yeah. I think that came out like a year after this one. Um, yes. That that, that was that there. was an era of A24. Now that that was the first year they were even a company. Yes, uh, I was oh. I was at the beginning of their Twitter account. I remember yeah. it very remember well. And there's the actually first... um, there's a podcast coming out soon in which I discuss that era of A24. So keep an ear out for that. I'll be promoting it. Oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I, I did not know about this. Yes. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I remember Spectacular Now. That's another book that I read when I was like in high school. And the ending for that book is so depressing. And the movie very wisely, it, it does a good job of like changing the ending, which never really goes over well with people mm-hmm. that I've read the book. But I would say that the ending for the movie is infinitely better than the ending for the book. Uh, and not in a way that doesn't feel like it cheats what like the book is trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, because um, did you ever read the book? No, or, I but, didn't. Mm-hmm. This the slight spoilers or not full spoilers for the spectacular now book. It's okay, if it's anyone, been nine years. I'm just given a warning. <laughs> save my ass in case we get some hate uh you have been warned but people are gonna be um, like i'm i'm watching all the a24 movies in reverse chronological order and i'm only up to i don't even know obvious child yeah Um, obvious (laughs) a most violent year most violent year um while we're young uh (laughs) i (laughs) um but yeah, spectacular. Like the book ends with uh, it, it heavily implies that uh, Sutter, uh, Miles Scholar's character, dies uh, behind the wheel while driving drunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, after uh, Amy leaves him and uh, his mom, like he just kind of cuts off his whole friends and family and dies on the road, basically. Mm-hmm. Like he just doubles down on alcohol and dies. Uh, and the movie. It does an interesting thing where it, like, de- it definitely does not kill him off. Um, mm-hmm. It tries to, like, show that he's attempting to get better at being a person. But it ends with him, you know, going to go visit Amy at her college. and But it's left vague whether or not she wants anything to do with him when he gets mm-hmm. there. Which I think does a great job of, like, giving him consequence for his actions and lets you as an audience decide whether or not he deserves a second chance. But also not completely ending with him fucking dying in a <laughs> in a car crash, yeah. um, and like leaving you with that. Um, so I don't know. I think that's like one of the better modern adaptations. Um, but I think Perks of Being a Wallflower maybe the easiest way to describe why it's a good adaptation is because the director is the writer. Yeah, uh, he's the author of the book. There's no other way to get around it. That's why it feels authentic. I think also um, the structure of it is very literary, like the way that you were saying that, like, you don't really know what what he's been through um, until like it just kind of like foreshadows at it until like the very end when like he kind of realizes. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I think the structure and like the way that like the flashbacks and like the his like memories kind of are like intrusive in the editing of the movie, I feel like is like very literary. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. There's something about it. Well, I I do like that a lot because I think one of the most interesting things that it does is that it's so easy for um okay how do i put it like what you're talking about with like ptsd mm-hmm. being used as kind of um you kind of like put it in his mind space so that's why the movie doesn't always 
flow as like other coming of age movies do mm-hmm. um you find out like a lot of information like maybe 20 minutes after you would in other movies or you don't find out about like what other characters have been through until like the very end or like halfway through and you're like oh wait what mm-hmm. um but it works because not only is he an outsider and he's coming into this group and he doesn't have all the shared history that these characters have with each other yeah. but also it, it's so easy for films and books and any form of media to be exploitive when it comes to mental illness. Yeah. And the, usually when movies or books or whatever do this, they try to like frame or structure a format around a mental illness. It doesn't work because it just feels kind of icky, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, Cause it, it just feels like, Oh, you're using it as like a narrative tool when it's like, you know, it, it's kind yeah. of touchy. You know, but I think this one is just very, maybe it's because Charlie's so young or it's because you can just genuinely feel like his pain. Um, but it just works. It just feels so like tender and like nuanced from the moment it begins. And it never, it, it never really villainizes any of the characters like uh, mm-hmm. on the side. Like, you know, even when his friends are kind of like being dicks to him, it never like, villainizes any of them it never it's just done with so much empathy that i am kind of amazed by it every time i rewatch it Um, i think it's also um when movies will portray mental health in a negative way um i think a lot of it is because they kind of are exploitative in showing how people act and they have like a mental illness and they make the decision in this movie specifically to not show you how he acts when he's like having an episode because he genuinely doesn't we're only seeing like his reactions to things until the very end when he's actually like in a crisis which um, I also liked, even when he's in the crisis, all you see, you get up to the point where they kick the door down. Yeah. And it, and cut, it. it jumps to the hospital. Yeah, yeah that's all you yeah. see, which I, I appreciate and a lot. Yeah. I think there's also the conversation of how, how do you make content targeted towards young adult audiences about these touchy subjects without them being triggering and I mean personally like I can't speak for everybody but I think this kind of does it in a really good way because it doesn't explicitly show anything um it I I think it's interesting However, it, it it is interesting, like, the little ways that they, like, show his memories are very, like, visceral, so I don't really know, but, like, it doesn't, I don't, like, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> like, in, uh, well, I agree with what yeah. you're saying in that sense, because it's, like, it, it does both, like, it, like, with his, his like, memories, like, the flashes of mm-hmm. things you see are mm-hmm. very like explicit but i think it's because um I-, I appreciate that because like you can tell he's so harshly suppressing these yeah. um the truth of what his aunt did to him 
you know, yeah. he, he's so very harshly like suppressing that and trying to deny that. And um, I think it's so, and also like 15, I mean, I'm just assuming he's turning 15 in this movie. I can't remember when, how old they say he is, but assuming he's 15, um, yeah. uh, that's such a pivotal age where a lot of people, you know, come to grasps with things that have happened to them in their past, you know, because when you're a kid, you can't articulate things. You can't really, um, all you know how to do is like really suppress it sometimes as a kid. And, you know, having worked with kids in my past, like I have seen it so often. And this movie just was like a very honest portrayal of like a kid who has just had a really rough go of life. And he, is clinging on to every moment of like happiness and community and friendship that he can, uh, because he has been denied it in every corner that he's turned to. And it's like, he, like, he just doesn't fit in anywhere. And I remember when they cast Logan Lerman in the movie, it was around the time I believe it was a little after Percy Jackson. And I think there was some like MTV show or, other thing that Logan Lerman was in that I was kind of like, I didn't dislike Logan Lerman by any means, but had having read the book, I was kind of like looking at him. I'm like, as Charlie, because mm-hmm. like Logan Lerman, he's just straight up a very attractive guy. He, he really is. And also like older than I met Charlie being in the book. Like there's a lot of things where I'm just like, I cannot imagine him being like a socially awkward outcast. Yeah. But his in- his performance is incredible in this movie. He's really fantastic in, like, mm-hmm. every scene he's in. Um, he does a really solid job of, like, putting Charlie's mental illness on the surface so you can see that he's, like, in crisis, that he's someone who is clearly going through a lot. But he also doesn't overact mm-hmm. in that way. He just feels like a very, I don't know, it just feels very genuine. That's all I can say. It feels like so realistic. We're just going to really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hello, friends. Do you love movies? Do you just spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, and even the bad ones everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors, like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special treat to our listeners, we have a discount code. In all caps, enter SUPERZILLENNIAL at checkout for 10% off. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies, guys. Um, 
So speaking about the casting of this movie, um, I just want to say up front, I'm not interested in talking about Ezra Miller. <laughs> Can we just yeah. make a pact to not talk about Ezra Miller as a person? Because I'm very tired of seeing their name everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Ezra Miller. I mean, okay. I'll, like, I'll say this. Everything with Ezra, Ezra Miller right now, what they they have or have not done, or like what I don't, I have not. I know there's been a whole. More I just simply in the last... cannot read anything about it anymore. I, yes, it's gotten to comedic levels of uh, what uh, they have been accused of and what they of just like, uh, like what the fuck is going on. Like literally, yeah, just... you cannot keep up with what they're doing. At yeah. first, it was like kind of like. I don't want to say, like, funny, but, like, they were just, like, popping up in random places, like, yeah, and, like, getting into fights in bars. Exactly. um, That is, like, like, around the world. But now, apparently, it has gotten deeper to, like, cultish levels, and I just simply am tuning it out, and I do not want to read anything about that. All I'm going to say about Ezra Miller like and this is not about um anything that uh is current with them at the present moment mm-hmm. um but uh like current news aside Ezra Miller is an incredible performer um mm-hmm. just a really talented person and i think uh between like this and we need to talk about Kevin which is genuinely maybe the scariest performance i've ever seen from a human being ever um this movie uh Ezra is fantastic in this movie. Um, it's like that one scene between uh, Patrick and Charlie at the park towards the end mm-hmm. is so heartbreaking. <laughs> like it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, everything that happens with Patrick in like the third act of the movie, um, it's one of those performances where it's just so like quietly built up, and you like you just like Charlie, like you can tell there's like something under the surface of like you know, um, the sexuality and, like, all that stuff. But when it really comes ahead in the third act and how Charlie gets involved with it, it's just, it's really powerful stuff. And I think, I, I was I was wondering how we were going to address it because, yeah, Ezra Miller is Ezra Miller. <laughs> there I is think, a stigma to that. Yeah. Name, but they, they do a good job of being like so high energy but to the point where it's clearly like hiding something like hiding like a oh yeah dark like depression like behind the eyes yeah like somebody who is like overcompensating with their energy and like loudness and like massive personality to like mask something and i think that that I, I think that that's a good um, performance, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think they're fantastic in this movie. I really, uh, that's why I was wondering how to bring it up because but I don't, also, I don't know how to um, talk about it. Yeah. Why did, why did Ezra continue to be cast as like a little boy for like the next 10 years after this movie, like up until like the fantastic beast movie, I feel like he's still like, He's still like playing like like a young boy. Well, Ezra, um, I don't know. Like I, God, I don't even remember. I guess. Fan- I mean, I the Flash. It. He's playing like 
a teen boy. Um, they're they're playing a teen boy. Um, yeah, I mean the Flash is I. The weird thing about the Flash is that the Flash's age is like I, this is so stupid. Because who cares about <laughs> DC continuity? They don't even care about DC continuity. Uh, DC doesn't care about their own continuity. So like, why should I? But it's never explicitly stated how old Barry Allen is, and the uh, Justice League never wants. It's implied that uh, uh, Barry Allen is over eighteen because he's living on his own. Um, okay. <laughs> because like Ben Affleck just like finds him, one like he just like breaks into his house, mm-hmm. like it, he's like living alone, like in an apartment or some shit. Um, so it's vague enough in there, and I guess in Fantastic Beast isn't doesn't Ezra play like a? Oh, I can't fucking tell you. But your point stands. I guess Ezra did take a lot of like coming of age, or not even coming of age, but just like younger roles for a while which yeah. by the way after having watched that stupid netflix movie do revenge that everyone's yeah. like losing their shit over on twitter which... i was actually gonna watch the first half of that before we recorded tonight but i simply watched youtube videos instead <laughs> um i'm glad people are enjoying it maybe i'm getting old uh i thought it was kind of stupid mm-hmm. uh it's it's like literally just like content i don't yeah. know like i i genuinely feel like netflix makes movies for like twitter algorithm Yes, they absolutely and, do. And it's working because I got on my feed and I was tricked into thinking it was a good movie. And, um, but it's just me. I mean, like, yeah, like that clip of Sophie Turner screaming about cocaine is funny. But me seeing that clip on Twitter made me watch the entire movie. And does that 30 second clip justify the other two hours? No, <laughs> like it's not that good. <laughs> I know the second I saw that it was like two hours, I was like, hmm, I know this should be like an hour and 20 minutes. I don't even know about like it's exactly two hours. I have, on the dot. Yeah. 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 Like an hour 58 or something. Yeah, it's 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 a long movie and it's you can feel the length. It's, it's not like terrible. I'm I'm not trying to like hate on it too much. Like, it's fine. It's passable. I. Mm-hmm. I kind of had it on in the background today, uh, but it, it's like fine. I don't know. Um, what I'm saying is they don't make them like they used to, as far yeah. as teen movies go. Yeah. Um, which isn't necessarily true. I've seen some good ones, but whatever. Um, I, I will say it's trying to be. I'm like, if you guys like this movie, watch Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds is the better. Oh movie yeah, movie. true. Thoroughbreds fucking. Thoroughbreds is good, yeah. Great fucking movie. Um, I liked Anya Taylor Joy before. It was cool to like Anya Taylor Joy, for real. Oh, I just saw the trailer for the menu the other night. I I really want to see that. I can't fucking wait to see that. It looks so good. Um, it looks uh, and I'm also watching ridiculous. that dragon show, and I know Olivia Cook is popping up in that in the next. Uh, oh really? So. Yeah, she's. Yeah, she's playing like a dragon oh, lady. Speaking of Olivia Cook, controversial statement. I would also put Mural and the Dying Girl in the same camp of movies um, as teen uh, comedy, drama, depression. Um, I think, I mean, you know how I feel about that movie. And yeah. I, uh, 110%. Are we agree. being controversial by saying that we both love that movie? <laughs> I, I think, think we are. I'm not kidding when I say that I don't respect anyone that doesn't like that movie. Oh my gosh. I 
I know because like alienate I alienate our our listeners, Adam. I, I know it's a controversial movie. Is it like what's so yes. wrong? Yes, people um don't like it. Ooh, no, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I <laughs> wait. Remember when Thomas Mann was just like the divorced um husband in Marcel Lachelle? Um, yes, I do remember that. I uh, I thought it was so funny. Uh, also, Rosa Sal, Alita Battle Angel was the wife. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Mann and Alita Battle Angel. Me and uh, Alita Battle Angel. Don't even, don't mention Alita Battle Angel again in the Skype call, otherwise the Twitter bots will come. My god. Because um, I think, um, well, he did play me he's the titular me and me and all the dying girl so yeah he's he's a uh, what, what that's my favorite role of his is me yeah uh, but but yeah no um that's a great movie that's a great coming of age movie it, it's amazing because it's unlike it's truly unlike any other that i've seen mm-hmm. um both in its presentation and it's like genuine i don't know it's just it's terrifyingly sad at the end uh spoiler alert but uh well that's what you expect uh, yeah, it, it's a beautiful the movie, movie is literally called the dying girl um yeah it has it's my favorite depiction of like this is a weird thing to say but it's the best depiction of cancer i've ever seen yeah just like having known people that have had cancer and like in like even like you could like take out cancer and like put like any kind of like illness in there and like it's just a very realistic portrayal of like the progression yes and just kind of like inevitability and like denying that and grief and all that stuff it's so it's so fucking good and the funny thing is i'm like the biggest dick writer for that movie and i don't i do not like the book um yeah i think the book for that movie is like I've read reviews for the movie where people call um, Greg to be like a very like irritating character that doesn't learn anything. And I one say like, did we watch the same movie? Because the entire third act is him like do you like having to face the fact that he has to grow up Mm -hmm. or he will like be left with nothing. And two, are you insane? (laughs) Because it's it's so like it's so blatantly there uh the whole movie is about how like the movie is not trying to justify his narcissism it's trying to tell you that you will end up alone if you don't have it if you don't like if you're not more like rachel than greg like that's what it's telling you um but the book itself is like everything that i've seen the criticisms for the movie actually are like the book is so like overbearing um greg is not likable in the book whatsoever like, there's, like, a quiet charm to Thomas Mann, even when he's being an asshole to Rachel. Mm-hmm. You know? Because just, like, um, how you describe, like, Ezra Miller in this movie, how, you know, they played as, like, Patrick is really, like, flamboyant and over the top in a way that clearly something is going on under the surface. Mm-hmm. Greg is such, like, an asshole to people in a kind of, like, he definitely, like, got this persona from, like, message boards and, like, watching movies. And he thinks this is, like, the way to act. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the book, it does not come off as that. He just, 
you genuinely feel like he's a terrible person in the book. And yeah, the book's awful. I think this is like one of the better book to movie adaptations because it is greatly better than the book. Uh, so if you want to, I'd say Perks Me Wallflower is just as good as the book. Meaner on the Dying Girl, way better than the book. Mm. So Yeah. Um, oh, so I was going to get at the cast before, before we started uh, going off on Ezra Miller. Um, this cast is fucking insane. Yes. Every background character is like an actor like mm-hmm. that we know and recognized um i wrote a note that said susan ozark bitch because i didn't remember her name for like an hour and then i was like oh it's julia garner <laughs> like is like yeah, his it's... random friend susan from elementary school or whatever I... that's just like in the bathroom <laughs> i Literally i saw that recently a... multi Emmy award winning actress. Yeah, well, because I was um I was on Letterboxd before I started the movie today, like looking at the cast. Yeah. And like I remembered pretty much everyone that was in the movie because I just rewatched this like three years ago. So it's mm-hmm. kind of vaguely fresh in my yeah. mind. Like I remembered uh cousin Greg was Ponytail Derek. Like I I, <laughs> yeah. I, I know all this. Like I uh, did I, you see the meme that I tweeted? I did. Very funny. Nicholas Braun. Yeah. Um Nicholas Braun. Um, I also wrote in all caps that bitch, which I write all the time when he shows up in a movie, Mr. Johnny Simmons. Johnny Simmons. There was a tweet the other day about him. I just said, where did he go? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Which is true. Where the fuck is he? (laughs) Um, uh, Nina Dobrev from Vampire Diaries fame. Who is incredible in this movie. She's really great. Um, Not like a ton of screen time, but whenever she's on screen, she brings it. Um, Mae Whitman. Mae Whitman. uh, Emma Watson, of course. Wait. Johnny Simmons was in Scott Pilgrim. Yes. This is a Mae Whitman and Johnny Simmons reunion. I'm sure they were in more together because they are like 2010s teen royalty. Um, Yeah. Well, I did... um, I will say, though, about the girl from Ozark. I forgot her name. Um, Julia Garner. Julia Garner. And also other stuff. I don't want to uh, just call her the girl from Ozark. I What's that movie? The Assistant, I think it's called. Um, yes. Uh, and well, she played oh, um, Anna Del... Did she play Anna Delvey? In what? That, like, weird... Um, oh, and like, Anna. Yeah. Yes, that was her. Uh, I didn't watch that show. But yeah, I, I me neither. It looks stupid. Um, but she's great. She's very talented. Um, um, I've never watched Ozark, but I respect her, and I think she's awesome. And um, I want her to play Madonna so badly. That'd be great. Um, she's great in Ozark, even when that show is not firing all cylinders, which it mm-hmm. very often did not. Um, it was a show that completely was lifted by the weights of its performances, and she was the best part of that show every season. And mm. The Assistant is, like, one of the best movies I've seen in the yeah. past few years. And uh, that, that's a very underrated movie. Like, I've always underrated. wanted to watch that. And it just, um, like, never... I've never been in the right mindset to watch it. There is no good mindset to watch that movie. <laughs> I, I And that's how you know it's a good movie. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I saw that movie... I remember right after I got Regal Limited, like, in mm-hmm. January of 2020... 
Mm-hmm. I remember it was like freezing cold outside and I saw it like in an empty theater and like mm-hmm. the smallest auditorium in my regal that had like 20 seats. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uncomfortable the entire time, but I remember the second it ended, I just was like, Jesus, that was a fantastic film. Um, it, it's one that no one talks about, but I thought it was fantastic. So as soon as I um, saw her in this movie, I was like, oh shit. Cause like I, I saw in Letterboxd that she was in it and I was like, wait, who does she play? But Literally I didn't just Susan. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't want to Google it cause I just was like, I'll just like let it butter appear. Yeah. And uh, she, what, just one frame of the movie, right? Yeah, like, in the background of a few different scenes. Right. I think she has, um, like, one line, and it's like, hey, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's um, she's great in other stuff. I guess she's great for her two seconds here. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say I love the casting of, like, all the adults in this movie, Yes. Um, very specifically, I'm looking at Paul Rudd yes. as Mr. Anderson. Um, yeah. Um. He's he's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I I love a good English teacher. I'm uh, sorry. It's so late at night. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that late. I'm just. I've been up since like 7 a.m. I mean, he is hot. You're not wrong, but... I um, miss Paul Rudd. I'm gonna be back in my Paul Rudd era, like, tonight. I know. Um, um, <laughs> I... My favorite thing... I, I love when Paul Rudd plays it serious in yes. movies or TV. Yes. Um, which, I I don't know, he just has, like, a very... There's something about his performance in this that is just very earnest in the mm-hmm. way he... He so feels getting... It's very teacher. loving. I, I don't know how to describe why this feels like an English teacher. Like, it just... Because um, they're very caring and loving, and they want what's best for the well-being of their students, which is, like, what English teachers are. Yeah. I mean, most of them, of course. Like, they are mostly great people. Yeah. And I... It's I, always I, English teachers, like... Damn. See, it's funny. I always had pretty good English teachers like nothing against them or anything I just never had like a like Like a a parental figure English teacher yeah no like I always like liked my English teachers like I remember like all my I think it was because I had AP English in high school and I they were kind of like hard asses and like Mm -hmm. rightfully so like they were nice they like they were cool you know what I mean but like Mm -hmm. it wasn't really like a vibe (laughs) to be with them Mm -hmm. they were like it was kind of like a you know, it was just like it was a teacher dynamic. But I, for some reason, my go-to was always the history teachers. They were always mm-hmm. fucking cool. Every history teacher I had. Yeah. Um, but he, either way, um, English teacher, whatever, he, Paul Rudd just, like, inhabits that, like, vibe of, like, your favorite teacher perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a guy you see for, like, 45 minutes a day. And he has such, like, an impact on you. Uh, yeah. And... I, I just think it's so beautiful. Like, all, the, like, the small talks. Also, I like that they don't overblow it, either. Because, like, any less movie would, like, try to, like, overblow their relationship. Like, where he would, you know, have, like, he would give him a ride home. Or he would, like, mm-hmm. drive him home after he was drunk. Or, like, he would, like, stop a fight with him. You know? Like, he would, like, yeah. overstep. But I love that, like, it's pretty much entirely reduced 
to just those little moments after the bell rings. But like how powerful those few things he says to Charlie are. Yeah. And I think that's really like beautiful because it's true to like how impactful teachers can be to students. Like it's just really, I don't know. It's, it's a small detail, but I've always appreciated it about this movie. Yeah, I agree. And I like that they'll have like, like it's like a stacked cast, but like he's playing a very like understated performance and then not to like change the subject, but like even like Joan Cusack in the end, like that is wild to me is that they have these like really like, I I mean, would you say that Joan Cusack leans more comedic? Probably. Like usually. No, like usually. Um, yeah, 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 I would. I mean, and 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 that's to say, like you know, that she's not capable of dramatic work. Obviously, like not even this movie was standing. Like she, like all good comedic performers, they have a lot of yeah. Well, she's one of those interesting actresses where she doesn't really gravitate towards anything specific. She just kind of um, appears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think... like where Paul Rudd is kind of exclusively comedies Joan Cusack goes wherever the wind takes her it feels like Um, yeah I think it's interesting specifically them two in those roles in Mm -hmm. that it's almost like comforting to see them like they're like people that make you laugh and people that usually make you feel like good and they're playing these roles that are serious like dramatic roles Uh but they're playing roles that are comforting to Charlie and it like almost like makes the audience feel like comfortable and safe with them does that make sense <laughs> no it does it does it's the same um i would uh disc- or related to like uh uh robin williams a good wall hunting mm-hmm. yeah where yeah. or dead poet society whatever pick yeah. your poison but like yeah. Uh, because robin williams uh shout out to the wee bottom mic they're doing their robin williams series not yeah it's great now but um <laughs> we shouldn't do a competing series of carving probably <laughs> uh but it, but it is a very similar vibe where you know robin williams is one of the most defining comedic voices of all time truly across mm-hmm. any medium mm-hmm. uh film television stand up what have you he's done it all um and yet when you watch I, like i cannot think of a more heartbreaking yet life affirming scene in any drama than the breakdown scene in goodwill hunting and it's entirely well yeah matt damon is fantastic in the scene it's all about the comfort that robin williams gives to him in that moment you know mm-hmm. and it's like so genuine and like compassionate that you cry when matt damon cries because when he gets the hug it's it's that's what it you know you just feel it you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's the same thing like when Like, I love Paul Rudd's final bit in this, where he just tells Charlie that he wants to keep giving him books next year. Mm -hmm. It's so, like, simple, but it's so, like, I wanted to cry. (laughs) I didn't didn't cry at that part of watching it tonight. Um, But as soon as he said that, and then when he hugs Paul Rudd, and Paul Rudd doesn't really know how to respond to that. He just, like, kind of, like, lets it happen. Then he tries to go for a hug a little too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like very simple stuff but it, it makes all the difference because it makes him feel like a natural guy like he's not necessarily a, 
a pitch perfect like movie mentor. He's yeah. just a normal guy who probably gets paid minimum wage or or just teacher salary, you know. But he's still trying to do the right thing by this kid that he has heard is struggling. In yeah, the midst I mean, of all the like hundreds of kids he teaches every day. Yeah, and he never really like gasses him up like, oh, like you're more talented than everybody else. Or like he never like like you said, like their interactions are really like minimal. And I think that it really like shows the impact of something so simple as like I think you would like this and I think this would be important to you. Like him like giving him books. Um Yeah. Of like how much that can change somebody's life. Um yeah, whether absolutely. it be like the content that's in the books or just the idea that somebody's like thinking like caring enough about you to like think about you. Yeah. Um yeah. It's yeah no it's it's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's beautiful. Great. Like because I think we've all had teachers like that where they noticed us and mm-hmm. made an impact on us. And he just kind of embodies that really beautifully um, in this movie with, what, like four or five, six scenes, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of screen time. And also, like, Joan Cusack, like you mentioned, like, she has, like, what, one, like, a, like two minutes of screen time total, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, As his doctor in the end. Yeah, she's, but she's fantastic in that, like, little scene that they have together. Um, like the part I I cried right at the part tonight where um she walks in the room and he she tells him where he is and what happened and as soon as like Logan Lerman is like oh I can't you know my dad doesn't have good insurance yeah and she's like well don't worry about that we got to talk about what happened and I like just started crying because like how gentle she was with him yeah. and I'm like oh fuck I'm like I'm gonna I just <laughs> want I want Joan Cusack to talk me down when I'm panicked <laughs> it um it, it it's just so like from that point forward at, at that point in the film um I cried like for the rest of the film uh, yeah. after that um yeah I mean everyone in this movie is Top to bottom, great. I, I'd say this is Emma Watson's probably best performance, maybe. Um, um, unless I'm, unless I'm. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I'm blanking on other stuff she's been in, but as a she's bling re- ring, uh, oh yeah, as somebody yeah. whose entire life is dedicated and devoted to the bling ring, um, great I would say that's probably her best performance. This is probably up there as well. She's really great in this movie. Yeah. Um, her American accent, though. Oh, my God. She never fixed that. Even, like, um, Little Women, she struggles. <laughs> She's think, just, like, so British. She's so British. <laughs> see, that's the thing about Little Women. Like, I think um, I love that movie. And I don't even think she's, like, terrible in it. But her accent is just a bit much for me. Yeah. There's one line in this that just, like, rattles through my brain when she says it. And it's, Bob, did you get him stoned? (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, it doesn't... I don't hate it because I know... No, it's fine. It's fine. Like, there's teenage girls that are, like, very pronounced like that for the sake of, like, comedic effect. Um, Um, No, this was just her being British. 
I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Why doesn't bother me? I'm not gonna go into like, oh, she's like a method actor. Like she intended for that. Like, mm. I'm just saying it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although I'm like looking at her like like um filmography like post Harry Potter, she's been in not a lot. She like, went to college. I mean, after so did Harry I. Potter. Um, same. Uh, okay. But I, no, I'm just kidding. She like um, worked with like the UN also. Like she was like no. busy. All right. Well, I'm not like attacking her. I'm just saying. Wasn't she <laughs> in the? She she was in like the Noah's Ark movie. Yeah, she was in Noah. Um, Beauty and the Beast, of course. Oh shit! Um, I always forget about that. Yeah, she's Belle. She was like, I mean that it, it's it's Beauty and the Beast 2017. No it one was really good. good. No one was good in it. No. Um, it's no one's fault, really, except Disney's. Um, but it's Josh um, Gad's fault. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's it. It's Josh Gad and Disney's fault. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at the cast now. Everyone's really great in the movie. I think Mae Whitman is especially like really funny. With, mm-hmm. Like not only just the character, like just innately being funny. Her comedic timing is like really on point. Um. The kiss the prettiest girl in the room scene will always fuck me up mm-hmm. because it's so awkward. <laughs> um, it's just like one of those movie moments where I remember sitting in the theater and everyone in the theater like gasped when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know, there's so many moments of like, um, I don't know, like, even, like, what's, like, Patrick saying, like, how are you a Buddhist and, like, meaner than you were? You're <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, or, like, I don't know, her, like, like, wiping, like, the ashes off of his forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, on the gas one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, she's really funny in the sense that, like, I don't want to, like, I mean, it, it's, the way the character is written it doesn't like demonize her by any means, but it definitely feels like she's very much like one of those teenagers that is like not necessarily being performative with her activism, but she does like necessarily know like what the fuck she's talking about sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole thing about her parents being like really wealthy. Exactly. And he's like, Oh, like where are your parents? They're not home. She's like, I don't know. They're probably at, like a cotillion or like something like racist like that. Like, I don't know. And then she like, just like uses like their like <laughs> fireplace and like steals like wine from her dad's like expensive collection and stuff. Yeah. And then like her going with like the college dude at the end and like, yeah, he, they're like equally pretentious. She like, has glasses at the end too. Yeah. Which is so appropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I love the, the beginning when uh, he gets high for the first time and he said, mm-hmm. Mary Elizabeth, you're really going to regret that haircut. And then they like just fucking die. <laughs> uh, I, it's so, <laughs> which by the way, that, um, this movie gave me a very, I, I think it's a pretty realistic and like portrayal of like getting high for the first time because I was like, is that what it's like? Because every other movie, like kind of portrays it as like this kind of like whack, like really super wacky thing mm-hmm. where like your vision gets impaired. But this movie just says like, no, you're just going to say some stupid shit and maybe like take a nap after, which I find kind of funny. Cause I think I tried weed like shortly after this movie came out for the first time. Yeah. You were influenced and by this movie, right? I was so poorly. 
once, but I, um, God, I, I've never, I don't know if I've ever said this on the pod, but my first time getting high in my life was the worst circumstance ever. It was right before seeing The Hobbit in 3D. <laughs> Why the fuck would you do that, Adam? I oh didn't. I was, it, no, I was literally peer pressured. Um, <laughs> That's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I remember I was with a bunch of um because I was a freshman and I this this is my purpose being a wallflower. I literally. was literally I was literally with a bunch of seniors mm-hmm. and they were like well, they were I peer remember, pressuring you when you went to go see the Hobbit with them. Well, we were yeah, we were at like an eleven PM showing of it. And we were in the AMC parking garage and this dude's mm-hmm. like so this dude had a van and we were in the back of a van. What the fuck? <laughs> and he I can't remember if it was like a joint or if it was like a pipe. Like, I don't remember what it was, but I remember they passed it to me and I was like, Oh, you know, like, no thanks. Like, I don't really want to, I've never done it before and I don't want to do it for the movie. I remember one guy was like, what are you a pussy? (laughs) And then he's like, Oh, come on, man. He's 15. I didn't smoke at 15. And then the guy was like, no, I smoked at 12. And like, (laughs) I just remember being like, okay, I'll take a hit. And I just like kept smoking And I was so stoned for The Hobbit. And let me tell you, watching The Hobbit in IMAX 3D for your first time being high and high frame rate, I genuinely, like, look, weed is, like, nothing to me anymore. Like, it's kind of basically lost its value to me um, because of my high school, college days. But that being said, that night, where I got stoned for the first time and watched The Hobbit in IMAX 3D. <laughs> I had no sense of self. I was like <laughs> completely, <laughs> I had like an out of body experience. I broke, I remember somehow my doorbell when I got home. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie almost, I mean, not if Charlie went to go see a 3D movie while high, I guess it would have been more accurate, but what I was saying was this tried to this talk, talked me down from being scared of weed at the age of mm-hmm. 15. And then I got me curious. And I'm just saying this was kind of my gateway into trying it and being okay with it. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of like media, it, like there's two, there's two veins to portrayal of weed in the 2010s and early 2000s. Um, there was like, it's awful. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. You'll die if you use it. Or and like there's also comedy, comedy like Seth Rogen, like weed like, is know? epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like Harold and Kumar type shit. Yeah, um, this was a great middle ground where it's kind of like it's literally not going to kill you. You'll be fine, but yeah. like after a while, you're going to get bored by it. Yeah, which is so true, bestie. Like it's so fucking true. <laughs> um, I feel like a, a lot of things are presented really neutrally in this, um, like. In like similarly to how like weed is, um, like they never really like shame the characters for like drinking or like doing drugs or like having sex. It's just kind of like, yes, there are consequences, but also like some of them are casually drinking, and it's like not like I like. Obviously, I'm not saying, like, teens should drink wine at Christmas parties. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, here's the thing. They do, okay? They just do. Like, teens drink. I'm 
I'm sorry to break this to anyone that's listening, <laughs> but they drink and it's like they they do. And I think, well, so I feel like media has, I, I think this is a very like kind of, I don't want to say like classy look at it, but like, it's a very like, I mean, just like how it portrays like weed. Like, it's just such a, like a, I don't know. It doesn't like show them like abusing alcohol. They just like drink, like teens yeah. drink. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Like it it just feels like a very honest portrayal of it. Where I mean, like I he watched like some... gets drunk and like says like dumb shit, and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Like it. If anything, it I, I would say this is more harsh on like alcohol than it is on weed because it all the characters say like really terrible things when they're drunk in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I remember like watching this movie and being like, I don't know if I want to drink, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, like, like not because of like some like violent, like exactly like showing them like getting into like a car accident or something. It's just like them saying and doing embarrassing things. And it's like, that will happen if you drink. <laughs> and it, that's like, that's exactly what alcohol is. It's true. Like it's, it's so funny. Like I think, this like movie. you don't need to show somebody the worst case violent scenario of something to like I don't exactly know. exactly um yeah exactly because like that's i don't know that's not what life is all the time life is very much so usually the middle ground yeah of what things are and i think this movie kind of presents that as like especially because he's drinking with like seniors yeah who have seemingly like they've had this community of for a long time and like you know patrick and everyone they they're all like people that have been drinking for a while they've had access to weed for a while like it's even mm-hmm. implied that they have friends that are have been graduated for a while that can yeah and they've been drinking for a while so like they hang out with college kids like none of them are like really trying to get them like fucked up mm-hmm. um and even like the thing i like about like the portrayal of like drugs in this movie is like even when they get charlie high for the first time they don't get him like violently high. They just like let him have like one edible and they let him like kind of say some funny shit and then they like make him food. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's, it's like wholesome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I, I like the portrayal of all that stuff in this movie. And, and especially, you know, going back to like when I mentioned like do revenge earlier, mm-hmm. um, that's not, I'm not going to specifically call that movie out because it's not really that, offensive or anything when it comes to any of that Mm -hmm. um but you know there's other like netflix originals for like teens that i've seen where you know it really like it it kind of i would say like romanticizes like alcohol and drugs and stuff Mm -hmm. and i like i'm not like a prude or anything like i'm really not but i do think there is a line to like being like okay well you're now you're just like literally like telling kids that like isn't it fucking awesome like (laughs) you know um but this movie does not cross that line at any moment yeah so i think it's cool um, um another thing i remembered that i said that they like present drugs like neutrally um an interesting route that they take though in like showing like the dangers of like drugs and stuff is when he does he take acid towards uh, the yeah. end yeah because he and, um God, he tells Johnny Simmons. Th- he says something to Johnny Simmons about seeing people, and then Johnny yeah. Simmons is like, "Oh, they just told that to scare you." Yeah. From my take. Um, <laughs> but like, it kind of like leads to a like slow decline of his mental health, like 
yeah. towards the end of the movie. Yeah. And I feel like that specifically is kind of like, like there are other things like going on at the time, but I feel like that scene is specifically like a catalyst of like in the beginning, they show him casually taking medications, which I think is also a good way to portray like mental health is just to have somebody casually taking like antidepressants or something like they do that in Edge of 17. And I think that's really good. Like, not being like, oh, I'm on my meds again. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, literally. It, yeah. It, I think this movie, again, that's another thing. Yeah, like you said, like, it it doesn't, like, I don't know. I, I don't think it, like, romanticizes it at all. Like, it, it just kind of, like, shows the routineness of it all. Yeah. Like, how you just, like, wake up, you pop it. And... Of, like, this is how you get through the day sometimes. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. Like, you get through the day with it, and that's kind of it. Like, it doesn't. Yeah radically change your life one way or another if we're like i'm freaking out and i'm gonna pop one pill and i'm normal again like you know what i mean like the chaotic portrayal of mental health in movies that is just not i i'm trying to remember i know there's like a ton of movies i saw as a kid or like as a teen that like definitely like portrayed antidepressants or like any form of drugs as like what you're describing and I'm just, like, blanking on them. I, I'm sure there's plenty. Like, American Horror Story was, like, definitely up there. And, like, how that portrayed it. But then again, that's, like, Ryan Murphy. So, like, what yeah. do you expect? Um, but, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I, I don't know if I was taking antidepressants when this came. I don't... I can't remember. I think I was a few years behind it. But I at least mm-hmm. had, like, been to, like, counseling and stuff to where I, like, knew it was a possibility. Mm-hmm. So, like, I... There was definitely, like, a stigma of antidepressants you know mm-hmm. as there always is there still is to this yeah. day yeah. um but uh this movie kind of did a good job of not blatantly doing it but semi like comforting me the idea of it so yeah. in that regard it's kind of like i don't know it's kind of cool yeah um should we discuss the soundtrack a little bit <laughs> i am glad you brought it up because um my girlfriend brought it up to me today. She watched it after she got off work and she texted me. I'm pretty sure like the only thing she texted me about the movie was you guys better talk about the needle drops or I'll kill you. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, um, they're really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really funny because so in the book, the tunnel song is Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Oh my god, I forgot about that. And that was one of my favorite songs even as a kid um that would make me cry as a child (laughs) Uh and i remember seeing the movie and being so sad that they changed it from landslide but now as an adult like the implications of it being heroes by david bowie like literally i'm just tearing up thinking about like i feel like it's just like two songs that are extremely important to me at two different points in my life and it just feels very Mm -hmm. good and poetic that that is there at that point in time um yeah and you know what i got my landslide moment with the movie x thank you (laughs) dude so i was just about to bring that up (laughs) i uh i love the use of landslide in x um 
Yeah, no, I totally forgot about that. I had no recollection of that being the song at the end um, of the book, that is. Um, wow, I had, really, I forgot about Landslide. <laughs> it is, right? Like, I didn't make that up. It, it is. Are you, you're saying that for certain? Yeah, I'm like 99% sure. Okay. Because I remember, I, like, being upset about it. I believe you. I just don't, I don't personally... I don't remember at all, like, like whatsoever. So I believe you. Yeah, that's what they're listening to, um, in the tunnel. Okay. Well, I will say that I remember, um, my mom after seeing the movie, she was like, "How do they not know David Bowie?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, I don't remember when. I mean, obviously, I don't remember because I wasn't alive. But when did Mm -hmm. Heroes come out?" um 70s 70s um you know i saw some people on letterbox saying that like how would they not know the song heroes by david bowie um they're kids that survive yeah 1977 that's actually my favorite year for music um that's funny um they're kids that survive solely on mixtapes um, that refuse to listen to the radio. Um, they don't know the names of the songs that they're listening to because they're literally just passing around tapes. And right. Sam only, which that, that part makes me fucking cry. She's like, I found the tunnel song because my roommate has really good taste in music and we were sharing tapes. Um like i i think it's believable that they wouldn't know the title of the song because like even like like i like love like david bowie and like a lot of artists that have a lot of songs mm-hmm. and i'll literally just listen to an album like front to back and like know all the songs i have no idea what the fuck they're called <laughs> and like heroes yeah, obviously is like an iconic song but like or even somebody like sparks mm-hmm. They have like fucking 50 albums. I could not tell you what any of the titles of their songs are. And I love them so <laughs> right. much. Like, but right. like, it's like they can't just like look at like their iPod touch and like see what the song is called. You know what I mean? Like, I right. don't know. Right. No, yeah, no, of course. Like, I think, I mean, I think there is like a validity to, because like there is like a difference though where I, I'm okay. So like, I think there is a part of me that's like okay but it's like david bowie like you know what i mean like it's like it's heroes like if it was i would say even if it was landslide like i feel like fleet would whack it mac is just like a little bit more obscure not obscure at all but a little more obscure to where i'd be like okay yeah i could see how like a 15 year old would not know fleetwood mac there is one side of my brain the more cynical side that's like but bowie like how do you not like it's Bowie, you know what I mean? But also, but like, if you but look I, at where their music tastes align, um, like I mean, in my brain, there's crossover between David Bowie and the Smiths because it's my brain, and that's just like what I like. But then right. it's like we didn't live back then. What is the like Venn diagram of like I? No, you know what? You're right. Patrick would probably be a David Bowie fan. 
Well, yeah, that's what I'm just saying. Like, I mean, I it doesn't ruin the movie for me or anything. Yeah, like, yeah, the movie is yeah. fantastic, but it's it's just a little bit like funny. I don't I know. Think, yeah. Um. Yeah, the use of the Smiths that itch to scratch in my brain as a teenager that I cannot even begin to describe. Um. Also, like, they don't use the song in the movie because clearly it would have been, like, the most expensive fucking thing in the world. But when Sam opens up the gift and it's a vinyl of something by the Beatles, chef's kiss. Yeah. That, yeah, it's so beautiful. The implications um, that's a great of that, moment. even though they don't even play the song, the implications of that is stunning. Oh my god, yeah. Because, like, that, um... Oh my god, that's, like, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie not even just like specifically that album and that song, but like that entire scene where they all kind of realize how much he cares about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like how caring Charlie is as a friend and how they mm-hmm. all are just like quietly touched by his thoughtfulness for like a second before he comes out of the room. Mm-hmm. Cause he gets them all like the literal perfect present that like signifies that he listens to them. He pays attention to them and he values them as people and like what they're like about even like you know mary elizabeth who he like they joke about like her having like these like little niche interests but you know he like gives her the money so she could like print her what like the the magazine or whatever Mm -hmm. or that art uh like in color Mm -hmm. like that's such like a very specific thoughtful gift and it's just like a beautiful scene that like summarizes how good of a character he is to his core um the movie does a good job of like not overtly presenting him as like this pure person but just a genuine person mm-hmm. you know what i mean like just a very naturally uh i don't know genuine person and i, I don't know I, I think that movie or that that scene uh sums it up really well i don't know i think it's a really beautiful scene mm-hmm. um another scene that like kind of broke my heart upon a rewatch which i like i remember the scene but certain scenes of this movie just like hit different when you're older. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like you might've like understood them at a young age, like they just hit different. Um, the first kiss scene with Sam is mm-hmm. like, just, it fucks, it, it just fucks me up every time I watch it. The and thing of no, like, I want your first kiss to be somebody who loves you. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Like the implications of that. Yeah, and I mean, we as a society, I don't think we'll ever fully understand the grasp that um, we accept the love we think we deserve has on us as a society. <laughs> but that um, that scene kind of inherently summarizes it. You know, it's like that there's that moment where he's constantly saying it to her or constantly saying it and thinking it in regards to Sam. And when he finally kisses her, it's just like this like beautiful moment where she genuinely cares for him, but never like thinks about him in anything other than a friendship sense. Mm-hmm. But it's a really beautiful moment where they just like put that aside for a moment and she cares for him and doesn't want him to feel how she feels. There's so many moments of that in the movie between like Paul Rudd as the teacher or the parents or like the, all the seniors that have, been a freshman at a certain point and they look after charlie and they've yeah. all been through things like even like patrick like you know inviting him to sit with him at the football game 
you know, they just don't want him to like be sad. They don't want him to like be an outcast like they were at a certain point. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, nothing is like as bigger scale than like when Sam kisses him and all her history, but it's so beautiful throughout the movie. And I also like that line where um, Charlie is like, I heard like stories about Sam at parties, but like I wouldn't want anyone to judge me for what I did in my past. So mm-hmm. I don't want to like judge her. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just like so many like little lines that he says throughout the movie and the book. It just hits me so hard. Um, um, I yeah, thought of another show. movie. Mm-hmm. I think even though it's not like a teen movie, I think 20th Century Women um, it's, kind see, of that's the... fits into that mold of yeah, well-balanced uh, coming of age makes you weep. <laughs> that's a fantastic movie. That's um, one of my favorite movies of all time, I think. Um, like, I mean, it's definitely a, like a 10 out of 10 movie. Banger I... soundtrack as well. God, that, like um, yeah that um god that opening like 10 minutes like where he talks about like being born at like the state of like the 70s or 60s i can't it's 60s right when it takes place i can't remember uh, it's 60s it takes place in the 70s like 70s. um right. when he's like a t- like a preteen yeah um, like oh my god that um there's God, so I wish many... it wasn't 1 a.m. and I didn't have work tomorrow so I could watch 20th Century Women tonight. I I might just go on YouTube afterwards and watch that scene where he fights over cl- clitoral stimulation. Yeah. Um, which is, like, maybe genuinely one of the top ten funniest scenes of any movie of all time. <laughs> watch when... Mojo Presents. <laughs> top well, that... ten scenes <laughs> regarding clitoral stimulation. Well, I love that scene after the fight and then and that bedding and him are in the car and she's like, well, why'd you fight them? And then he just turns to her and he says clitoral st- stimulation and then she just like looks at him like, with the most <laughs> confused face. Yeah. So fucking funny. <laughs> I love that movie. Mike Mills, I um, let me give you a kiss, buddy, because that's a great movie. Yeah. Smooch um, him right on the forehead. I, right in the middle of the forehead. Nah, give me Give me his lips, because he he deserves one for that and Come On, Come On. Both. Yeah, yeah. And Beginners, that's a great movie, too. Um, um yeah. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say about Perks. Oh, yeah, um, so, uh, about crying, um, you said, yeah. like, you were talking about, like, the point that you, like, cried or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I always, like like you saying how like something hit different when you were an adult Mm -hmm. uh i feel like i watch this all the time as a teenager like all the time Uh and then i didn't watch it for a really long time and then i watched it again right when i like when i had to like move back home Mm -hmm. from college like halfway through a semester um I was just like wrecked for like weeks and I don't know why I decided I mean I do know why I wanted to like wallow and regress so I watched this movie and I was just like sobbing 
because there's just something about it that like it just it hits so much differently when you're on the outside of it yeah like even if you like are going through the same things that the character is going through like it's still just like nothing feels like it did then (laughs) yeah yeah no exactly like i it's one of those things where it's like hindsight really is like 2020 in the sense that Mm -hmm. like i mean i you very much i mean i i was very much moved by this movie as a kid or as a teen Mm -hmm. like it's one of those movies that i knew even if i didn't fully or couldn't fully articulate my own mental illness or my own experiences Mm-hmm. that related to this movie i at least like felt it you know what yeah. i mean but there's something about and not to say that i'm like fully past stuff i've been through and i'm fully through things mm-hmm. but like there's something about like watching it as because you just definitely have a better perspective as a 20 something year old yeah and at your own mental illness and when you're watching it as an adult and you remember Cause like, I mean, dude, I wanted to cry from the moment it started. Like I, cause mm-hmm. and it's not even necessarily so much about the movie itself, but like, as it was starting and like, you know, the opening credits through the tunnel and, and then, you know, like the music and the cinematography, like even just like down to like the, the look of the movie, you know, like mm-hmm. there's so many like distinct things that I remember reading and hearing and watching over and over again about this movie as a kid like I, because I saw this movie so many times as a kid. I've read the book so many times. I listened to the soundtrack so many times. It's almost like a, and I don't mean this like negatively, but like a triggering thing for me, where it's mm-hmm. like, as it was starting, like the memories were flooding back to me, and I, it was less about the emotion of the movie, which is already fantastic, but the um, the consequence of how I related to my own life and how I remember feeling the first time I experienced this movie. Um, yeah. And that made me cry. And like yeah. that, like that's such a good, powerful thing. And I, I don't always feel that. I, I very rarely feel that even when we talk about movies on the pod, I, like I'll feel nostalgia, but there's something different about this movie where, I mean, cause I, I really think like 15, 16, like that's the perfect age to watch this movie. Yeah. And I, I think me and you, we were, like, at the perfect age to, like, watch this when it came out. Like, it, it was really, I mean, it's a, literally about a kid entering his freshman year of high school. Yeah. And I was entering my freshman year of high school when it came out. And I was able to see it in theaters. So, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's always going to be a very personal movie to me in that sense. And that's yeah. why I cry every time I watch it. It's like, it's literally, it's a, it's a try not to cry challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was also going to say like I I do feel the same where it's not just crying because of the content of the movie. It's um literally the amount of times that I've just been like tearing up trying to talk about this movie. It's almost like not just thinking about how you felt the first time that you watched it. It's like thinking about the place in your life that you were at. Yeah. And then over the course of the movie, thinking about how long it's been since then. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie being like, I made it this far. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's because it's literally been 10 years since it came out, which I mean, that's like fucking insane to me because I what I was literally 15 when this came Mm -hmm. out. Like it it came out around my birthday when I was turning 15 Mm -hmm. and I'm turning 25 in a few weeks and which is fucking nuts to me. And Mm I like yeah it's like it's a passage of time thing it's a feeling thing it's reminiscing for how you felt at that time even if you always didn't necessarily feel good which is a crazy thing um and i don't know yeah you know it's crazy like depending on like where i mean i'm not gonna say like where i'm at in life like i'm not gonna like go in deep depending on like depending on like where i'm at in life when i when I watch this movie, it's either, like, a hopeful feeling at the end of being, like, or not just at the end, like, throughout the movie, of being, like, well, we went through these things and we're good. Or it's, like, a feeling of, like, I feel this way when I watch, like, The Edge of Seventeen sometimes, too, where it's, like, oh, fuck, I'm an adult and I'm still... Like, in Edge of Seventeen, when she's, like, kind of, like, drunk and she's, like, throwing up and she's, like, I just realized that I have to live with myself for the rest of my life. That just, like, fucking breaks me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a big one. Just, like, like, feelings like that when you're, like, when, like, a, like, a, teen like a quote-unquote teen movie is able to convey something like that or like a coming-of-age movie is able to be so um universal that like anybody at any age can feel like that I think that's really successful in its portrayal of uh humanity and feeling yeah, no, I mean, I I hardly agree. Like, there's, it, it really is. Like, this is, because, I mean, I think there's so many good coming-of-age movies that we saw as youths. Uh, mm-hmm. like, I think there's, there really is. Like, I for all the shit we talked about, like, the shitty ones that we yeah. saw, um, yeah. there is, we did grow up. In there a really are actually good, some good movies out there, folks. There are good ones. Um, yeah. But um, a, a lot of good ones, I would say. I, I saw quite a bit of really good movies that made me feel seen as a teenager. And that's the power of cinema, baby. But, you know, that... And also TV. There's plenty of good TV for teens at that age, too. But mm-hmm. um, but that being said, like, I, I don't... At least to my memory, like, I can't think of another one where... I, how do I put it? Like that anything that really relates to this, like that's even on the same playing field as this one in terms of cultural influence, in terms of like, however you want to shake it, like call it cultural influence, call it personal influence, call it like whatever. This movie is like, unlike anything else that was released when I was at this age, you know, like it, the relatability that is here with this movie how it makes me feel every time I watch it, it's unmatched. It, it really is. Um, it, it's really one for the generation, it feels like. Mm-hmm. 
it's 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 a fantastic film um i'm trying to think of other coming of age movies from this era but or at least like ones that are on the same playing field and we mentioned a few earlier like edge of 17 i wouldn't quite put it up with perks me wallflower but it is great um Mm -hmm. it's a it's a and i only said that because like perks me wallflower is like a five out of five for me i would give edge 17 like a four and a half it's not a really huge margin (laughs) but um but in here's here (laughs) (laughs) um but you know what i mean like there's i I think this is just really high up there in terms of like i mean i i don't i hesitate to say ladybird because i was out of high school when that came out um yeah i think uh i think eighth grade also kind of yeah eighth grade's a great movie in the sense that like because obviously i was so far removed from that age when i saw it I think I was like 20 when it came out. Um, and I I loved it. I mean, it's a fantastic film. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful. And it's portrayal of anxiety is like one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. Um, that's a good movie that like makes you feel nostalgic for a certain period of like mindset, not mm-hmm. necessarily time itself, but um, how almost... Um, God, I, I don't know what word to use, but um, how almost naive, for lack of a better word, one can be, uh, whether it be in terms of her uh, documenting herself for no hits or like uh, on like YouTube or like uh, you know her failed social um, attempts, at, like going to parties. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie has like such a specific vibe that it's like truly unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, I feel like that movie would have like killed me if I saw it when I was in eighth grade. Um, Cause Bo Barham does a really good job of like cutting through the bullshit of like Snapchat or like he, he doesn't like rely on the social media of it all. He just kind of like goes right to the heart of it all. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of like other ones. Um, I don't know. Spectacular Now is a great one. Um, Me and Her on the Dying Girl, like you said earlier. Um, God, I don't know. We there's a lot of good ones, but not a lot of like great ones. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Um, should I? Should I? end it on this Roger Ebert quote that I just found about this movie. Oh god, I forgot. He did... He was still kicking when this movie came out. I forgot. Um, right. That I feel like sums up what I've been trying to feel about and trying to, like, express about this movie. Go for it. Says that he gave the film three and a half stars out of four. And he said, all of my previous selves still survive somewhere inside of me. And my previous adolescent would have loved the perks of being a wallflower. I'm sorry. But the idea of all of my previous selves live inside me is how I feel when I'm reacting to this film. (laughs) It's really, um, that's that's a really beautiful uh, quote. Yeah, I mean, Ebert's the man. Uh, He on the court and in the theater. Uh, that's a reference to the basketball video going around right now. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. It's great. Which... It's popping up on my timeline of Roger <laughs> playing basketball. 
<laughs> um, him and Gene Siskel just yeah. throwing some ones. Um, love it. Uh, but um, yeah, no, that that's great. That's a great way to put it because I and that kind of touches on you know the final line from Charlie about how you know one day you know you'll be older and you won't you'll think of these things as star stories, but it's it's because it's so easy to dismiss these feelings that you feel so heavily at that mm-hmm. age as an adult but that's why it's great to embrace them while you feel them and uh it's just a really beautiful thing for teenagers to hear you know yeah Uh, this movie tackles so many great things like it it doesn't matter that that's i think that has like the ladybird effect where that even though it takes place in the 90s or ladybird takes place in 2002 i believe Mm -hmm. uh because the palindrome uh but uh, I think that what well, this is 91, I believe. I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it does a great job. It's this. I'm guessing it's the same reason that Greta, because uh, I know Stephen Jabowski wrote this in 99, so he could have had computers be more prevalent, but he distinctly chose 91 for a reason. And I think it's maybe the same reason Greta mentioned why she made Lady Bird 2002 period piece where cell phones are so um it's obviously such a prevalent thing nowadays mm-hmm. that you can't make a coming of age movie that we I think we talked about this like a few weeks ago on some pod I can't remember which one but um it's always a, there's always a reason to get out of something with a cell phone like there's always going to be mm-hmm. a reason to avoid a conversation or have like uh characters go in ever which way because they have a cell phone like a cell phone is such an easy exit for most situations yeah but she wanted to have ladybird be absent of that have that almost be like a uh, a thing for class like the the rich girl in that movie has a cell phone christine does not you know yeah. and um <laughs> my dumb like... is like who the fuck is christine <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Ladybird. Um, um, but that's her uh, given name given to her by her. Actually, um, but I feel like this. Uh, they're the they're in the same coin of that. Where it's it's a great movie that um, even though it takes place in the '90s, I feel like it's very relevant. No matter when you watch it, how old you are when you watch it, because it, it, the the themes, the characters, the the tribulations that the characters go through are timeless and uh, truly unlike genuinely any other coming of age movie. Ever. What if they literally just like modernize the adaptation and he's just like writing um, instead of letters, uh, he's writing like Tumblr text posts. Um, I mean, do it. We need uh, representation <laughs> of Tumblr in a movie. Okay. But like, and yes. that's where I come in. Hello. I've been working on a script. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, I, uh-huh, JK, I will, well, which, see, here's my thing. So how would you, who would be their Bowie of that movie or TV show or whatever? Like, uh, who would they not the know? Diamonds. No, <coughs> who would they who? not know? I thought you who meant, like, I thought you meant, like, a song that was iconic. That's why I immediately said Marina and the Diamonds. Uh, oh, from, like, um, from that era? Yeah. Of, like, Tumblrisms? Um... Yes. God, I mean, it'd have to be like Arctic Monkeys. Uh, or something. Kate Bush, aka all Lana, the Stranger Lana Things Del fans Ray. right now. Lana Del Rey, I'm sorry, but like, 
it's Lana was like we talked about it on the Gatsby episode, but like the Chuck Oh, you wait. I thought you meant like an older artist that people like discover and like what is this song oh i mean i guess it could be old i guess that makes sense but i meant our most meant like something oh, like the like most it. important song no you know what it is you want to know what it fucking is it's ribs by lord that's a good one that is yeah. our generation's heroes by david bowie that's our generation's tunnel song <laughs> uh end of conversation <laughs> i'm i'm currently saluting like it's the um, uh the pledge of allegiance right now uh, i'm gonna I'm gonna lay in bed and listen to Ribs by Lord tonight and cry. Because hey, it really did be um, feel so scary getting old. <laughs> and on that, that note, and that um, in perfect places. Um, yeah. It's it's impeccable. Um the this whole pod has been therapeutic, I think. And not only yes. talking about it, but also watching the movie today. Yeah. Um. I I implore you guys. I don't know how many of you guys like watch along with us. Like it, when you see that we're covering a movie, I don't know how many of you guys like mm-hmm. actually rewatch the movie. But I I highly suggest if any of you just listen yeah. to pods, and you haven't seen this movie in a while, um, I actually really recommend watching it again because it's one of those movies that I think it gets better every time I watch it. It it yeah. somehow gets better. <laughs> like I I put that in my letterbox review today where I was like. It's always how I remember it, but also better than I remember it um, yeah. in that sense. And it's a great rewatch, so I, I highly recommend it if you guys haven't done it yet. Yeah, I feel like I'm like rarely affected by movies like I am this one, mm-hmm. um, where I can't really... I mean, I guess we like talked through it. We literally talked for longer than the runtime of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um this episode i love when the episodes are longer than the movie um so i guess yeah we kind of talked through it but it's it's very unexpected where this movie will hit you and i recommend like adam said especially if you haven't watched in a while to rewatch it um Mm -hmm. it is on hbo max (laughs) yes on hbo it's on paramount plus for any paramount bodies um it's on uh if you have access to my voodoo it's on adam plus um so (laughs) that's what my girlfriend calls it anytime Uh, she's looking for a movie you really you really do have every movie on there it's it's adam plus dude like they i have the right to everything yeah yeah (laughs) everyone Um, just has the password to your voodoo account so many people do to the point of where I get locked out because there's too many screens sometimes and I bought the fucking movies that's socialism baby hey I would have it no other way Uh, this is what Bernie was talking about and I listened okay um yeah but um (laughs) but yeah um there's plenty of places to watch it it used to be on Netflix I don't think it is anymore but um Mm. but uh either way find a way to rewatch it rewatch it have a great time it's fantastic it's as good as you remember it being. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is that it? I guess. I, uh, I think it is. Um, the only other note that I have is that I had the same Smith's poster as Sam um, in my room. <laughs> I will say, to relate it back to the Cura of it all, yeah. um, uh, I will always remember 
roughly a year after this movie came out, Kira made me a mixtape and she sent it all the way from New York in a box with a bagel inside of it. Yes. And because you um, should try a New York bagel. Yeah, and I, I sure as fuck did it. Um yeah. uh I and I remember that the playlist or the mixtape you made me, it was like a little it was a burned CD. I I still have it somewhere. I gotta find it. Mm-hmm. Um wasn't it literally just this month? It, I think I was gonna say I thought it was more, but I now that I'm thinking about it, but I think it was literally just a burned Smith's uh album. <laughs> Which yeah. one I do not know, but um, um it was funny. Yeah. So um no, I was thinking about that while watching the movie too. I'm like, remember when Kira made me a mixtape? <laughs> that was literally like this movie and Tumblr was my entire personality. Um like, yeah. yeah. Having known Kira back then, I can confirm. Um <laughs> But <laughs> I was like emo without being emo, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess, I guess that's it. Um, I guess hit us up if you want us to make you a mixtape. Um, I'll, <laughs> it, depending on how many people hit us up, which will be probably zero, but if someone wants a mixtape, I'll, if there's a lot of alphas, I'll make someone like a, five song mixtape and you can add to it on spotify sorry this is for spotify shoddies only so like <laughs> if you're on apple music you can fuck off i'm on apple music but i also have spotify so it's just i i can't fuck with apple music i just can't do it um the only reason why i got apple music is because joanna newsom's music with the exception of the God. muppet show theme song that she has one line in uh God, all of her Victoria. music is only on apple music Victoria was just woman explaining this to me the other day, and I was like, uh huh. <laughs> um, I, I shout out to Victoria for having taste and <laughs> knowing about the Muppet Show song being Joanna Newsom's only song on Spotify. It was so funny because I was like, wait, she's not on Spotify, and she was like, no, only the Muppet song. That is was... literally the reason why I got Apple Music <laughs> and the reason why I won't leave Apple Music. Honestly based um so i i'm a diehard i I I would die for joanna newsome so uh, okay i'll just say we are taking playlist requests so if you're (laughs) an apple music shoddy and you want a playlist go to curious she'll make you one if you are a spotify shoddy i'm um, not making an apple music playlist i'll do i'll do spotify with you okay fine i'll apple music shoddies you're out of luck Fuck you. Uh, but if you if any uh, Spotify users want music, uh, just set us up. We'll we'll, we'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. We have to make a Zillennial Canon Spotify account and like. I'm oh, sorry. You know I'm not I, paying for another premium account. No, oh, actually, I'm just gonna make a playlist and I'll add you to it so you can add to it. But like, okay. no, like we can make like a Zillennial soundtrack, like Stacy's mom, like yeah. Um, I'm in too deep and I'm trying. To... Come on, like, yeah, millennial anthems. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Adam underscore not Sandler. Um, other podcasts, aggressively okay with me and Joey. Aggressivelyokay.com. We are reviewing movies every week. Uh, Oscar season is slowly ramping up, uh, so we're getting invited to more screenings, and uh, so we have a lot of reviews. Um. Recently, we did Pearl, which is 
Incredible. fantastic. Yeah, I loved, loved it. it. Loved it so much. Uh, blonde, which is uh, not good. Uh, so, Boy. Uh, <laughs> blonde, blonde is making me want to delete my Twitter account. <laughs> blonde, more like blind, because uh, I I want to want to close my eyes anytime it's on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really bad. It's awful. So don't see it. But read my review though. It's that's better than the movie. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, you can catch me on here every week talking about. Mm-hmm. Movies that don't always make me cry, but this time it did. You can find me and all my previous selves surviving inside of me um, at Garlic Emoji on Twitter, um, and also lying in bed and listening to Ribs by Lord tonight. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon, on Instagram at The Zillennial Canon. Uh, give us some ratings, some reviews. Um, we have an insane one next week for y'all. Yeah, we really do. Um, I think at first, um, <laughs> people will be like, this is millennial," And then you'll be like, oh yeah, it is, huh? Oh no, it's very millennial. It, it is, is very millennial. Um, I, 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 we'll talk about it plenty next week, but all I'll say is it's so like, still in the zeitgeist that you're going to be like it's millennial canon huh but then when you really if you think about it for like 10 seconds you're like oh yeah it really is and mm-hmm. i i think i don't i haven't really talked to Kira about it but i think we both have like stories about it oh yeah so oh yeah so um this is a good tease i i like a good tease yeah. for next week so uh, i'm excited uh, i know we're both watching it soon it is so. like a universally good movie too like it's not like you know We'll, we'll we'll talk about it. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll get discuss it. it. We'll discuss it. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all, right. all right. Keep uh keep on staying infinite gamers. <laughs> wow, what a great line to leave off on. <laughs> 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 <laughs>